All right, all right. All right, guys. Hey, uh, that's cool. I didn't know they were shooting video of me and Ricky working out this week, but there it was. Um, so that's cool. Um, so, hey, uh, today we are launching into a brand new series that I'm really fired up about. It's called Stronger. And I want to show you a picture of a guy. Check this dude out right here. His name's Brian Shaw. I don't know if you can see it uh, the way the lighting is. Brian Shaw is the strongest man uh, in the world. Have you seen those uh, strongman competitions on ESPN, you know, where they flip tires and then they see how many uh, bags of groceries they can get into the house at one time and all kinds of stuff? I just made that last part up. Um, But it's it's the strongest man alive competition. Brian Shaw, they haven't had 2016 yet, but Brian Shaw uh, uh, is the reigning world champ strongest man alive. Brian Shaw can squat over 800 pounds. He can bench press over 500, all right? But, but what he's really known for, and actually this is a picture of it right here, Brian Shaw can deadlift 925 pounds. Now, I, I can't do that. So, I, so some of you are like, well, I can't. I can't do that, all right? I don't know if anybody here can. Uh, but, but listen, when you look at that, when you hear his stats, here's what's obvious to everybody is this dude is real strong, right? I mean, he's real strong. He's disciplined. He works out. It's obvious this guy is really, really, really strong. Well, here's my question, and maybe you've wondered it yourself. What makes a church strong? What makes a church Strong, because that's the question that we're going to be answering throughout this series. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be answering the series, What Makes a Church Strong? We're going to discover how to have a stronger church, and connected to that, we're also going to discover how to have a stronger faith. And so maybe when you hear that, you think, well, you know what, I don't know if that interests me, because that doesn't really sound like it, uh, it applies to my life. That really doesn't sound like it's going to impact me at all. Listen, this series has everything to do with you, and the reason it has everything to do with you, because if you're a follower of Jesus, you are the church, all right? Listen, so, so Dana just now showed you guys uh, some pictures of the building that's uh, being renovated for our future building over in Christopher uh, there, just a couple miles away. We are not building a church. We are building a building where the church will gather, but listen to me, the church is the people of God. It's men, women, boys, girls, teenagers who have said to Jesus, Jesus, here's my life, take it, I want you to be my Lord. And so we become, when that happens, a part of the people of God. So the church is you today, if you're a Christian. All right, so this has everything to do with you. But hey, maybe you're here and you're not a Christian, you're like, listen, man, the church burned me a long time ago, Christians made me ticked off and angry a long time ago, I'm here because I knew somebody getting baptized, somebody invited me, whatever. Listen, I understand that, and listen, I bet if we went around, every person in the room has a church burned me, Christians hurt me story, right? I mean, I, I, mean, I do, I do, I mean, I'm, I'm a pastor, and so I got stories of deacon-possessed churches and all kinds of crazy stuff, man. So, so everybody, I mean, we, we all get it, but here's the deal. I think you ought to make a commitment. Just say, you know what, I'm going to come and check this series out, because listen, 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 even though Christians may have hurt you and churches may have disappointed you, number one, there's no perfect church, okay? We're not a perfect church, all right? At all, there is no perfect church, and I say all the time, if you find it, don't join it, bro, because you'll screw it up, all right? There's no perfect church, and, and two, what we're going to discover in this series, we're going to discover what, what God wants the church to look like, how, how God wants the church to be stronger. And so, yeah, maybe you had a bad experience with some Christian churches in the past, but what if God would open up your eyes over the next three, four weeks that we're in this series together as we look at what makes a church stronger, what makes our faith stronger? So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to Acts chapter 2, all right? Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and we are going to be in this one verse literally for the entire series. 
We're going to look at some other verses, but this one verse is going to guide our whole series. We're going to be honestly in this one verse for the entire series of Stronger, Acts 2.42. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen behind me, hopefully. I believe it is right there. But let me just kind of set the scene here. The book of Acts is the story of how the Holy Spirit takes ordinary men and women, brings them together in the name of Jesus, and they become the church. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus, one of the last things that Jesus says to the disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is that when the Holy Spirit comes, you'll be given power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus ascends to the right hand of God. That's where he's at right now. One day he's coming back. But right now he's there. The Bible says he's praying for us. He's watching over, protecting you, watching over, caring for, providing the church, drawing people to himself. God's doing a lot of things, a million things in the world right now we don't even know of. But Jesus is alive at the right hand of God. And Jesus actually said, you know what? It is better for you that I do that. It's better for you that I leave you here so that when I go back, I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and he fills the life of those Christians that are waiting in the upper room there in Acts chapter 1. And there's about 120 believers, most people believe. The Holy Spirit comes and he fills them just like he's filled you. He lives in you if you're a follower of Jesus today, the Spirit of God is alive in your life right now. And so the Holy Spirit fills them. And in Jerusalem, where they are, there's this massive celebration called Pentecost. Thousands of people are in the streets of Jerusalem for Pentecost. You can, uh, just for point of reference, frame of reference, you can think of Pentecost like the black gold on steroids but without fried butter on a stick, okay? And so thousands of people there in Jerusalem and, and these 120 disciples, now that they're filled with power to be witnesses, just like Jesus said, they go out, they begin to preach Jesus and Peter preaches the very first sermon in the history of Christianity, And at the end of the sermon, he gives a time for people to respond just like we do every Sunday. And over 3,000 people give their life to Jesus on the very first day, the very first sermon, the launch of Christianity as a movement. Over 3,000 people. And what happens next is the Holy Spirit takes all of those thousands of people and leads them to start the church. And so Acts chapter 2 verse 42 kind of gives, gives us a glimpse into what this first church looked like. Listen, this is not a perfect church, but it was a strong church, right? Acts 2 42 says this, watch this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and the prayers. Over the next four weeks, I believe that in those verses, those, in, in, that, in that verse that we just read, we get four characteristics of a strong church. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Next week, we're going we're to discover that a strong church knows and worships God. It says that they devoted themselves to fellowship. The week after that, we're going to discover that a strong church is family, okay? When you hear that, you should, when you hear that, some of you think things that you should think exactly, uh, that you should think when you think about the family of God. How many in here, you have the crazy uncle, the crazy person in your family? Don't look at them, they'll shank you, okay? Right? How many of you have that? There you go, put your hands down. You have the crazy person, the odd uncle, you know, that person that always says the embarrassing thing, you know, that crazy thing right there. The church is just like that. The messy family of God. But a strong church is family. They love each other. They build each other up. And lastly, we're going to discover that a strong church prays dangerous prayers. But today, we are going to discover, look at that first phrase in verse 42, they devoted themselves. Thousands of people, different backgrounds, different interests, different stories, they all come together under the name of Jesus. And here's what this church had that I believe is the most important thing a church has to have. It's going to be a strong church. Unity. Different people, men, women, boys, girls, 
different colors, different backgrounds, different stories, but they devoted themselves to one thing. See, we're going to discover today that a strong church is a united church. A strong church is a united church. Now, what is unity? Unity, unity is not uniformity. See, uniformity means that nobody makes a decision, nobody has their own voice, we're all kind of robots and nobody thinks for themselves. That's not unity at all. Here's what unity is specifically in the church. Unity in the church are men and women, boys, girls, teenagers, who are brought together and have unity because of what Jesus has done in their lives. Okay, And because of what Jesus has done in their lives, he has brought them together. They've got this supernatural bond, and the bond is Jesus. And so there is this unity. Yes, we're all different. Yes, we've all got different backgrounds, different stories. But the thing that unites the church is what Jesus has done in our lives. And so because of the unity we have in Christ, different people can all move in the same direction towards the same goal because of Jesus. Right? And and think about how strong a united church looks in a divided world. I mean, can't we all agree the world is divided, isn't it? And the world is divided among political parties. The world's divided, it seems, among race. I mean, there's so much division in the world today. Listen, a united church is a powerful church. Let me just show you how, how important it was for Jesus. The night before Jesus is crucified, did you know that Jesus prayed for you and I? Thousands of years ago in John 17, Jesus prayed for you and I. Watch what he prayed. Look at this. John 17, verse 21. That they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Isn't that powerful? Out of everything that Jesus could have prayed for the night he died, he prayed that we'd have unity. Because when the church, yeah, we're different, but we have unity, unity on who Jesus is and we're moving in the same direction, the world, a divided world, will look at a united church and say, you know what, I might not believe in their God, but there is something going on in their life. Here's what I want us to do today. I want us to see three things that unite us, all right? Three things that unite you and I as followers of Jesus, all right? So if you've got your app open, you've got the Summit app, you can go ahead and open it up uh, to our, uh, our sermon notes section. Maybe you want to write these things down. These are absolutely massive things that unite the church, all right? Three things that unite us. Here's the first one. The first thing that unites us, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit unites us. Hey, have you ever met somebody and just instantly there was some kind of connection? You ever done that? I mean, maybe you like the same kind of movies, or maybe you like the same TV shows or music or something like that. There was just some kind of connection, right? Well, see, the thing that unites us as a church isn't a thing, it's a person, and his name is the Holy Spirit. In fact, look at, look at this verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 said, be eager to maintain the unity of the what? You tell me. Spirit in the bond of peace. Unity of the who? Spirit. Unity of the Who? The Holy Spirit is a unifier. See, the Holy Spirit's kind of like the crazy glue that, that bonds the church together. So here's the thing. The Holy Spirit, man, I hope you're getting this. The Holy Spirit will lead us to pray for each other. The Holy Spirit will lead us to encourage each other. The Holy Spirit will lead us to build each other up. The Holy Spirit, watch this, the Holy Spirit, when there's differences, and there's going to be differences, but the Holy Spirit will lead us to reconciliation. Because the Holy Spirit is a unifier. 
And see, because the Spirit is a unifier and the Spirit lives in you as a believer, can I ask you a question today? Are you a unifier? The Spirit is a unifier. Are you? Because make no mistake about it, unity is hard to get and easy to lose, especially because the devil is real. We have a supernatural enemy, the devil, who hates the church, hates you, and wants to destroy every church, this church, and your faith. And can I tell you, can I just tell you the thing that the enemy loves to use? I mean, listen, Satan doesn't have a lot of tactics. He really only has a few, and he uses them on repeat over and over and over. He's been doing it from the beginning. But can I tell you the number one thing that Satan always uses to destroy churches? Starts with a G, ends with ossip. Gossip. Gossip is the number one thing that the enemy will use to destroy a church. Now, praise the Lord, there's no gossips here today. That was sarcasm. Um, but um, what is gossip? What is gossip? Let me give you a definition of gossip so we're all on the same page. Jerry Bridges is an author I love. Check out his books. Jerry Bridges says this, what is gossip? Gossip is spreading unfavorable information about someone else, even if that information is true. Well, daggone. Let me read that again. Gossip is spreading unfavorable information about someone else, even if that information is true. How do you know if you're gossiping? It's kind of like stepping in dog poop. You just know. Know what I'm saying? Right? You just know, bro. Right? How do I know if I'm gossiping? Hey, listen, if you think, if you think you're real close, you are. You probably crossed the line. We all know what gossip sounds like, don't we? How many people, <laughs> how many people in here, just by show of hands, you know a gossip? Raise your hand right now. You raise your hand right now. Don't look at them because they'll tell everybody else about you because they're gossip. Right? There you go. A lot of hands went up. Everybody knows what gossip sounds like, don't we? You know what gossip sounds like. Starts a different way. You know, starts a different ways. Uh, gossip sounds like this. Somebody walks up to you. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear? Did you hear about so-and-so? Right? And you know, like, from there, it's not going to be good. Or oh, here's one, here's one, here's one. Here's one. Hey, what did you think about this? Because I'm just concerned. What did you think about that? In Christian circles, a lot of times it starts like this. I just have prayer requests. And, and they told me not to tell. But I just feel led by the Spirit of God to tell everybody. And put it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. But they told me not to tell. Don't you tell either. But I'm going to tell you. Right? Right? We all know gossip when we hear it. Listen, what do you do when somebody comes to you and they're gossiping? I'll tell you what I do, and it's probably the reason a lot of people don't talk to me anymore. It's because when a lot of people come to me, they say, Mark, did you hear about so-and-so? I usually say this. No, I didn't. But Matthew 18 says you got to tell them, and if you're too chicken, I'll go with you because you, Jesus said to That's probably why a lot of those people don't come back to this church. Um, but uh, <laughs> Hey, let's get serious. If you're here today and you're a gossip, write this down. Never forget it. Gossip is sin. I know it's cultural and I know everybody else does it. Yep, and we're all sinners, so people should never be your standard. Okay? Gossip is sin. And I want to tell you this too, and I want to be totally serious. And I'm saying this and I don't have anything in mind, but if you're here in this church right now, you're a gossip. There is a spirit leading you to do it, and it isn't the Holy Spirit. Did you hear what I just said? 
There is a spirit leading you to do that. It's not the Holy Spirit. Well, are you saying that I'm possessed by the devil? Well, that's what everybody else says, so I'm just joining the crowd. That's what everybody's already saying. Everybody's already gossiping, right? Holy Spirit unites us. The Spirit of God's a unifier. I'm going to be a unifier, all right? Number two, mission. Second thing that unites us is the mission. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the world. The mission, that's the mission that Jesus has called every single Christian on. That's the purpose of our lives, church, to be a witness. You might be a witness at school. You might be a witness at the hospital you work. You might be a witness that's now retired. You, you know, whatever you do in your free time. You might be a witness and you're a teenager. You might be a witness and you're in your 80s. But if you're alive and kicking and you're a follower of Jesus, the purpose and call of God on your life is to be a witness of what Jesus has done in you. That's the mission. We say, we say the mission this way, okay? We say the mission at our church this way. We say this, transform people, transforming the world. Let, let's all say it together. Transform people, transforming the world. Transform people, transforming the world. See, we're not called, the mission is not to build a church based on our own preferences. Mission is not to build a church that sings the kind of music I like. Mission is not the kind of church that just does everything I want it to and meets all my needs. No, no, no. The church of Jesus Christ exists for people that aren't even here yet. The hurting, the sick, the broken, and once Jesus transforms our lives, he calls us to go out and transform the world. Mark, how can we transform the world? Because listen, Summit, I believe that we can change. I, I do believe we can transform the world. I believe we can. How can we transform the world? I'm going to show you. Watch this. God told us. What's this? Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13. And he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of, what's the next word? Ministry. Who, who are the saints? Every follower of Jesus is a saint. Okay? Not talking about the Pope. All right? All right? Every follower of Jesus is a saint. Doesn't matter if you got ticked off this week and kicked the dog and used language in traffic you shouldn't have learned. Well, you're a real messy saint. But, but, bro, all right? If you're a believer in Jesus, you're a saint, and you're called to ministry, it's what Jesus says in this verse, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the what? Unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, the mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here's what that verse means. God gives to every church, pastors, leaders, teachers, leaders, and the role of those, the, the purpose of those leaders is to equip the saints, everybody doing ministry. We can say it this way, everybody playing their part. I want to say this, to, I want to say this, and, I, and I, we say this all the time, do not ignore this, don't roll your eyes at her to get used to it, but I want you to know, you've got a part to play. You have a part to play. The Spirit of God did not save you to just come to church and take it in. Jesus didn't go to Calvary and bust death in the teeth three days later for you to wake up on Sunday morning early and just watch a show and then go about your life. No, he has saved you, called you, equipped you for ministry. You are called. You've got a part to play. So listen, I want to be real practical for just a second. You've got a part to play. Hey, if you've been coming to Summit for a couple of weeks, for a little while, and you've never taken the step and become a partner, you've never joined this church, right after church today is the partnership event in the multi-purpose room. Maybe you didn't even plan on staying. You just got to look at your family and say, you know what, we've been coming for a while. We're going to make the move. We're going to join. We're going to make this church our 
Church, I want to invite you to do it. Some people have signed up. It doesn't matter. we got tons of food. I want you to be there. Take that step. Hey, if you're not serving, if you're not actively serving somewhere, I want to challenge you to take your connection card, turn it over, and check the box that says, I want to serve. Use the gifts that God has given you and begin, and begin to make a difference in people's lives. See, my prayer for this entire church, every single man woman in this church, is that, is that your passion point would meet the Spirit of God at work calling you in your life, and you would serve in this church or in this community, and you would be used by God to make a radical difference. But listen, the Spirit of God didn't call anybody just to sit and watch other people do it. He wants you to get in the game. I love that people are doing that here. I love all of our kids' volunteers. I love our guest service volunteers. I praise God for our worship team. I thank God for all of our guys back there on audio right now, people that are up there in the booth. I praise God for Sarah Burton and Amber down there at Second Chance Mission, and some of you are helping them. My goodness, they're doing such an amazing thing. We've got a teenager. They're not here right now. We've got a student. Watch this. We've got a student in this church that came to me three weeks ago after church and said, Mark, God's given me a passion to reach my, reach my school for Christ this year. Mark, will you help me start a Bible study on my school campus so that I can and see my friends meet Jesus. This Tuesday, they're gonna start a Bible study at their school, and man, I can't wait. I can't wait. But it's happening here. Listen, listen, listen. God wants to do the same thing through you. So step up, get in the game. Hey, if you're here and you're like, man, I wanna grow. How can I get deeper in the church? How can I grow in my faith? Today we're launching signups for life groups. You can sign up. You can open up the sign-up part of the Summit app right now, and you can sign up for life groups, fall life groups for the fall semester. They start the first week of September. Sign up for one. I'm leading one on Wednesday night. It's called Essential uh, Essential Theology, Six Doctrines that Every Christian Needs to Know. There's all kinds of groups. Jump in one. Go deeper with your faith. Hey, middle school, high school students, can I talk to you? Middle school, high school students. I believe that tonight at 6 o'clock, you need to come to our student ministry at the big red barn-looking building over there in Christopher, all right? That's our student building where our future campus is going to be. Our student building is open right now. It's there every Sunday night at 6. We open it. But listen, there's all kinds of things going on. God's doing a, a cool thing right now in our student ministry. You need to be there. If you've never been there, come. You've been thinking about it? Come tonight. But you have a part to play. Look at somebody next to you and say, you got a part to play you got a part to play. See, what unifies us is the Holy Spirit and then the mission, but here's the most important thing, all right? Watch this. Hey, I want everybody to look at me. I want everybody to look at me. I know, I know it's 1159 and you're already thinking about the table you got at Applebee's and Francis's and all that stuff. Hang on. Hang on. Look at me. This is the most important thing I say today. Third thing and the biggest thing that unites us is the gospel. Okay? Biggest thing that unites us is the gospel. More than mission, more than vision, more than anything else, what unites us is the gospel. What unites us is the fact that Jesus has set us free. It's that Jesus came for us and he has saved us. See, that's the gospel. See, I'll be real clear. The gospel, the message of this book right here, the message of Christianity, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. The message of Christianity is not that we were bad people who needed to be good. The message of Christianity is not that we were kind of in a bad spot and we needed a handout and so Jesus came. Now listen, the message of Christianity is that we were dead. We were dead in our sin, Ephesians chapter 2 says, 
And we couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't fix ourselves. We couldn't get ourselves out of that mess. And so God did for us what you and I could not do for ourselves. God came outside of us in the person of Jesus. And Jesus lived a perfect life for you. And he died a sinless death. And he rose three days later. So we don't need, listen to me, listen to me. I'm praying that you hear this. We don't need to be good. We need to be saved. I'm not a bad person. <laughs> I needed to be good. I need to, need to change some of my hobbies, some of my habits. I need to clean up my language. That's not Christianity. Praise God, it's deeper than that. It's so deep. It's not, my, it's not simply my language. It wasn't simply the way that I acted. It was that I was worshiping something other than God. You might be here and you're not, you're not a, you don't believe in God. You're an atheist. That's fine. I was too. I didn't believe in God. I thought Christians were crazy. And I still think they are. <laughs> I'm just a little bit more sanctified. All right? I don't believe, I didn't believe in God. So listen, you're, I don't believe in God. I think this is all crazy. That's fine. And you are still worshiping something. You don't have to worship God. You can worship money. You can worship sex. You can worship your family. You can worship drugs. You can worship your car. You can worship athletic ability. You can worship popularity. You can worship your GPA. You can worship your 401K. You can worship all kinds of different things. We were hardwired by a God to worship something. And what sin has done in all of us, it has made us dead to God. And so because we're made for worship, we will worship something. And Jesus came to set us free from worshiping the wrong things so that we could reorient our lives around the one who made us to worship him. So I want to say, I want to say this. The worst thing that you could do is become a partner of this church and serve in this church and give to this church and you get excited and you invite all your friends to this church. You talk about this church. But you don't know God. See, there is a difference. Did you know that? The, the, the biggest tragedy in life is that you would believe in God and like church. And then you stand in front of Jesus and he looks at you and he says, I never knew you. Churches are filled today. Churches are filled today with people who are going and serving and they give money and they invite their friends. They say, oh, you need to come. It's so exciting. Oh, you need to come. Everybody's so nice. Oh, you need to come. They're so accepting. And they don't know God. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know him as a friend? As your Lord? Somebody that walks with you. Somebody that talks with you. I'm so excited that you're here today. I am. I praise God that you're here. I praise God for every person that joins this church. I thank God for every person that serves. 
I thank God for every person that gives. But church, do not do those things and miss Jesus. If you are here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, in just a moment I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And you don't need to quit cussing first. You don't need to go out and keep the Ten Commandments first. You don't need to stop, uh, to, you know, to stop doing all kinds of other stuff and clean off before you come to God. No, you come to God just as you are today. You come to God just as you are today. But if you do have a relationship with Jesus, and I want to say this, if you're a part of this church, if you're a partner or not, but you say, Summit is my church. I believe what makes a strong church is one, Jesus, and two, a church on its knees. So I'm calling you as a church, I'm calling Summit Community Church for the next 30 days to fast for this church and to fast for this community and to fast for our country. I'm calling you to pray and fast. Some of you just peed your pants. So let me define it, okay? I'm calling our church for the next 30 days over the duration of this series to pick one hour a week and one thing during that hour that you will fast from, okay? So maybe it's a meal, maybe it's getting online, I don't know what it is, but instead of doing that, watching a TV show, instead of doing that, what you'll do during that time is you'll spend that time in prayer, spend that time in the Word, spend that time pleading with God. I would love for you for the next seven days, I'd love for our church to pray for unity in our church. I'm not, again, I don't have anything specifically in mind, but I do have in mind the devil's real and he hates our church. I do have in mind that the devil would love for nothing more for you to quit. So we're going to pray for unity, but I'm challenging. Listen, listen, I, I'll just be honest with you. I, God, I, I know that God is calling me to fast from some very specific things for the next 30 days. Because I feel, I feel, ah, this is me. Man, I am praying that God would do a new work in my life. I want, I want the voice of Jesus to be the biggest voice in my life. Man, I want to love Jesus more than I've ever loved him. And I want to get desperate for it. I want to do some hard things for it. Like hard things. Say, so I, wish, I wish I was back where I used to be with God. I was so fired up. I'm not anymore. Awesome. Don't eat tomorrow. Beg God to give it back to you. So right now we're going to pray. And if you, feel, if you feel led, this altar is open. You can come up front. You can pray. You can pray for unity for our church. Pray for your family. Pray for however. But if you are here today and you don't know God, do not let anything keep you from that decision today. Don't do it. Don't do it. I believe in God. That's great. Do you know him? I love church. That's great. Do you know the founder of the church, Jesus? If, if not, if you don't have the confidence that you're a son of God, a daughter of God, right now is your opportunity to ask him to come into your life and to save you. Let's pray together. With every head bowed, with every eye closed. Jesus, I just thank you so much that what unites us isn't, isn't anything that we produce on our own. It's not. What unites us isn't isn't man-made. This is a supernatural thing that we're talking about. And so God, I pray that right now, I pray right now, 
for unity in our church. I pray that, God, we would build each other up, we would encourage one another, we would love one another, that the Spirit would unify us, that we would be rallied around, united around that mission. And God, above it all, that the gospel would unite us, that the gospel would unite us. And God, as we begin this journey for the next 30 30 days, fasting, praying, seeking you together as a church, God, lead people to how that might look like in their own life, but I pray we'd be a church that goes hard after you. God, do it. God, do it. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, and God might just be leading you to come up front and pray. If you want to come up front and pray right now, you come on, but with every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you're here today and you would say, Mark, I want a, I want a fresh encounter with God. I want God to, to spark a new love for him in my life, Mark. I want to fast and pray over the next 30 days, and I want to see God do a new thing in me too. Would you just raise your hand right now? Just raise your hand. Say, that's me. I want, to, I want to seek God over the next 30 days. I'm asking for prayer. Hands are going up all over. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Put those hands down. But, but here's, here's the question I, I just feel the need to ask, and, and maybe everybody in the room, maybe everybody in the room, is confident that you've got a relationship with God, but but if not, this is your time. This is not a time where anybody's going to embarrass you, look at you, or anything like that. We've got the lights turned down. No one's looking around anyway. But but I got to ask you today: Do you know Jesus? I know you're here, and maybe you even believe in God. Do you have a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Is He changing your life right now? Is He at work in your life? Do you do you, do you know Him? If you died today, do you know that you would go to heaven? See, God wants you to know the answers to those. God wants you to have that confidence. And so right now, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you're here today and today you want to ask Jesus to come into your life for the very first time, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just invite you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my life and save me. I give my life to you today for the first time. I want you to be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you that you love me. I want to live for you starting today. Change my life. Take my life. Use my life. I give it to you. Thank you for saving me. In your name. Amen. No one is looking around. No one is looking. But I would love for you to respond today. And here's how I'll ask you to do that. If you're here today, and today you gave your life to Jesus for the first time, you just prayed that prayer, or today you want to be saved, right now, would you just raise your hand to indicate that you prayed that prayer, and today you're making that decision? Today I want to be saved and give my life to Jesus. Just put your hand high in the air. Let me see it right now. Raise your hand really high if that's you. There's a hand right there. There's another hand. There's another hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Say, today I want to be saved. I want that confidence that I'm God's, that I'm a son, that I'm a daughter. I want to be saved today. Raise your hand right now. Anyone else? Here's what I want to challenge you to do. I love that we had several hands just now go up to say, today I want to be saved. If you just raised your hand, I want you to look at me really quick. On the back of your connection card, there's a box that says, I gave my life to Christ. Check that box. And here in just a minute, when you leave, there's going to be volunteers. Just drop that in a basket. Or I'll tell you what you can do. You can take it to our welcome table. We'd love to give you a free Bible, a book we've written for you called Seek First, and just just something to help you grow in this new relationship you've got with Jesus. 
Let's pray one time. Let's pray one more time before we go. Father, just, I just love seeing people surrender their lives to you. I love when your people say, I want to walk with you. I want a, a fresh experience. I want to follow you. And so, Jesus, just as we embark on this journey here in Whitesburg as one church, we do this. Make us a stronger people. Not perfect because we're not. Jesus is. We want to be strong, and that starts on our knees. Holy Spirit, unite us. Let's to love you and love one another. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, can we give God praise for today? Man, that's awesome. We just at least saw three people raise their hand to give their life, say they gave their life to Christ today. And so many people said, I want to, you know, God, just to do something fresh in my life. Hey, tomorrow also in the devotion section on our app, we're starting a devotional that goes every day of this series. Check that out, okay? It's going to be there. Uh, I think it'll really bless you, challenge you. All right, and you can sign up for life groups. Don't forget, that's open right now on the app. If you're a first-timer, like Dana said, we'd love to give you a free gift there at the welcome table. But stick around for the partnership event, getting ready right now in the multipurpose room. All right, everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Guys, thank you so much for coming. Come back next week. Bring a friend with you for part two of Stronger. You guys are dismissed. Love you guys. Mm-hmm.